welcome to Dynastream's podcast, I said a prayer for you today. My hope is that you will be powerfully encouraged through real life situations, prayers, and encouraging words. Each episode is from the heart, not trying to be perfect, just being real for real needs. Feel free to share these episodes with those that you feel may need some loving strength. All right, let's begin. Hello, my friends. I want to encourage you this morning. I am encouraging you this morning. With grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Encouragement is from the book of Philemon. And it so encouraged me, your prayers, and how God is using your prayers, showing up mightily, that he would bring me a scripture so precisely timed that I knew God is touching not only my heart, but the hearts of those who are praying, the hearts of his own people. You see, the scripture that came was Philemon 1-7, for we have great joy, excuse me, we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. And you see, God in his wisdom created you, man and woman alike. He created woman from man's flesh. Both belong to him. So when it says refreshed by you, brother, back in the day, it was only men who are allowed to teach and preach and be disciples. But Jesus spoke to the women. He defended the women. And when he rose, the first one that he spoke to was a woman. Go and tell. To tell the men about him, that he's risen. Isn't it amazing that under the law, it was only men. But when he rose again, when he took everything upon himself, he would speak to a woman, go and tell. Now I know there are many women these days that go tell a whole lot of stuff that's not theirs to tell. Men do the same, but I know they they mock women. I know men who are worse at doing that, telling the wrong things. May you see someone else's story isn't ours to tell. Someone else's private things are not ours to tell. What did he tell her? Go and tell about the risen Christ. Go and tell. Jesus is here. He's alive. Go and tell. And in the, uh, was it Matthew? Go and tell the world to make disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and tell that disciples will be made. Preaching and teaching, healing, all sorts of things from God above. But what just touched my heart is I read and and how God used so many details of even going to a greenhouse looking at flowers and getting a tour around the whole thing 
God was using every bit of it to teach me about him. Unbeknownst to those sharing and doing and seeing the joy and when people are reunited and the excitement when they've worked together 40 years. So many details. So many details. That God would use that when he was sharing how a woman was 100 years old, still planting seeds. Two weeks later, she died, but she was still working and planting seeds. Although it was for flowers that they may have income for this business that they were running and she was planting seeds for the business. It spoke to me about the seeds, planting the seed of Jesus Christ, watering the seed with the living water. That's what it spoke to me. And it spoke to me of starting small because it was also shared of how it was the mom's hobby. She loved flowers. It was her hobby that became this enormous business that not only supplies to local people, but they supply to stores throughout the region because of her love for flowers. I just want you to be encouraged by that, that she started with something small, something she loved, something she was passionate about, the work of her hands. And I shared something with you yesterday but I guess I just shared it in prayer because I didn't truly talk to you about it. And it was really from Proverbs 31 about considering a field. She considers a field and buys it. And with the work of her hands, she plants a vineyard. And how many vines were coming down from these flowers, but we know the vine and the branch speaks of Jesus. And so it's been really speaking to my heart, so much so, that I'm going to share this experience even the other day, and then I'll share more of the scripture. As I received, my mom would share about this young man who does the floral business in connection with 40 years with this greenhouse company, and they taught him so much. And his love and knowledge of the flowers is amazing. The quality, and he settles for nothing less. He will not give someone something that is scraggly just for the money. It's quality, and he knows it. And she would always say, he has a heart of gold. He might be a little rough around the edges, but his heart is just amazing. A heart of gold, and just amazing. So, I knew in prayer... The other day that my son would show up I just knew he would show up and I said Lord I don't know how but I know he's gonna show up it's just in my heart well that day my mom would give me a locket it was a gold locket it was a heart locket and inside that locket was a picture of my son and my nephew it was a locket that I had given her when my son was young, to treasure. And it would be the next day I told her, my son did show up and I, sh- and I shared that with her. She kind of mocks me sometimes when I share the things of the spirit. They don't make sense to her, make total sense to me. But I shared how my son would show up in a heart of gold. With a heart of gold, my son showed up. 
It was just such a treasure. And then I would read on in this in the scripture after the Philemon one seven that was sent to me about hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you. And it would go on to verse twelve or verse eleven. Oh, let me go back to 10. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you. I'm sending him back. You, therefore, receive him. That is my own heart. And it goes on um, in the next scriptures in the same. It's only one chapter. No longer a slave, a beloved brother both in the flesh and in the Lord. Receive him as you would receive me. If he was wronged by you, owes anything, put that on my account. I will repay. And then Paul goes on to say, I will repay. Not to mention that you owe me, even your own self. And then, yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. And he goes on that also prepare a guest room for me. I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. I just want to encourage you. It was so profound. The heart. Matters of the heart. And how a phrase, a heart of gold. It would show up a heart of gold. With my son. And it would be something that I had given as a treasure. So many years ago in this locket. And I just, it's so profound. Like, I I don't even know how to process it all with you, but I knew I needed to share it with you. In that, the heart of Philemon, in Paul's sending back Onesimus to Philemon, Onesimus was a slave. And before, he was considered useless. He was a slave. And it says that he was a deserter, a thief, and formerly worthless. I don't know about you, but I have felt worthless many times. I felt worthless to people, worthless to God. And God says we are worthy. He died on the cross. But still living here in the world... And wondering, Lord, what am I to do? What what are you calling me to do? I need to be able to repay. I need to be able to sustain a living. Why is it this way? And you feel like that thief. You feel like a worthless slave. And look at Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Philemon is a friend and a fellow laborer. Philemon had a slave. And when you look at it, Paul is a prisoner. And he's doing all this work for Christ. And what do you, what do you know of prisoners in the legal system? When they do the cleanup along the roads or whatever they do, they do because they have to. They can't run. They can't leave. It's like a slave. And then they go back to live in a cage. It breaks my heart. But I know when I open this locket, like a broken heart that opens, 
I carry people in my heart. And when you hear that reference, a heart of gold, years ago, someone spoke over, God is refining you like gold, that he can see his reflection in you. My prayer for you is always that God would shine his face upon you. And when he shines his face on you, he sees his reflection. He looks at you and he sees himself. He sees who he created, likeness of him. He doesn't see you as worthless. He doesn't see you as what can you do for him as a slave that you have to because you belong to him. Because he created you, you have to. That's what he's all about is love. When you serve him, it's because of love. Not because you have to. Not because you're whipped into shape. And there's so many attributes of that day that reminded me when I saw, remember Jesus came when he was a baby, he was born in a stable. I've always reminded, been reminded the barn. You know, he wasn't permitted in with the, where the people slept. Oh, there wasn't room for him. I'm sure they could have made room. But I guess when you're in hotels or whatever, that sort of thing, you can't just put people in with others. But I want to encourage you throughout my life, horses, they've always been special to me. And although when I was a kid, being around a lot of racehorses, you can't really pet them, you can't ride them. They were intense. They were competitive. They were groomed and trained to race and win. And those that didn't win went to different places. And the other day when I got the heart of gold, we drove by a place en route to a different greenhouse. But en route, God would take us on this path where both my mom and I looked and said, we've been there before. It was Barnes. And it was where one of the horses my dad had had to go to the farm for rehab to get back in shape because he was wounded or something. He needed to strengthen. And that horse was always special to me. He was gentle and kind. He wasn't like the others. He didn't have that competitive nature. He was gentle. I could walk around this horse behind, underneath, would never kick me or bite me. Some of the other ones, you couldn't go near them. They were so intense because they were like in their stall so much that when they were brought out, they couldn't wait to just run and be free. So they harnessed him up and go fast on the track. Like a crazed thing or something. But when we drove up to the barn in remembrance of this, there was the sulkies. They were harness horses. There were sulkies in there. And I was reminded of how they're, they're hauled by the horse, the sulky. There's a trainer behind them. And they're kind of, you know, they whip them. When they're racing, they, they do the whip to get them to go faster, go faster. What do you know about that in the Bible? Same thing with the slaves to build the wall. And then they were told they have to go find their own, what was it, straw to make the bricks. They had to go find it themselves. And then they still had to build as fast. They were abused. Jesus was whipped. Jesus was beaten. But like the horse, always in my heart has been 
these um, people that are empathic, they're sensitive, prophetic, highly sensitive, artistic, and they always seem to be like the problem child of the family, of the business. Because they don't do things like everybody else does. They perceive the world in a different way because they sense the things around them. They sense things of God. They sense things of the world. Their art reflects the world or reflects God. And when I see this happening, and I've shared that, I see it happening. And there's something in me that says that child has a gift. But see, the world wants to use it for evil. And when they see that at a young age, they want to groom it into the evil for their own purposes, for their own pleasures, for their own rewards. And you see this horse that I loved so much. I wanted him for my own, but we didn't have the money to buy a racehorse like that, that he couldn't produce money and make his own living. But of all the names of all the horses anywhere, this one's name was Problem Child. I loved him so, but we couldn't keep him. And I was told that others loved him too. And so he got to stay on the farm because they loved him. They knew he was kind. They knew he was a good horse. But when we passed that barn, I was reminded. And even when we passed it, God speaks to me in amazing ways. There were three lines of uh, the barn that houses, holds the stalls. There were three. And it just so spoke profoundly of God's love for us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so my friend, I just want to encourage you. As God encouraged me with the heart of gold, my son would come to me. I would see the past of how my heart was always reaching out to the problem child because they're not a problem. They're part of the solution. But people don't want to see that because of what they expose, because of what they reveal. They don't like it. They don't want to change. They don't want to do better. And if the iron sharpens iron, it's to cause to grow and be a better version of yourself. And for those who don't want to do that, they want, to, they want to label the problem child. They want to drug the problem child. They want to tuck away the problem child. So their imperfections are not known because they don't want to deal with it. They don't know how to deal with it. And so if you're seeing that in your life, you're seeing that in your family, take it to the Lord and ask him what is revealing. He will reveal the details around. He will show you. He is showing you. Will you see it? And I've prayed that he opened your eyes to see and ears to hear what he is showing you and what he is speaking to you. It's for healing and restoration. Because he wants to draw people into himself through love. Not abuse, not a manipulation, not force. And I just see so much in that, that barn area. I just went, Lord, that's a treasure. And that he would send me through a friend, Philemon 1-7. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you. He, he, he wants your heart. Remember I told you in prayer, 
religion says you need to be in this position, you need to be doing this, stand up, sit down, whatever all the process is. It's not a position of your body. It's a position of your heart. Where is your heart towards him? And my friend, I know your heart and your love for him. To stay focused on him because he sees your heart. He knows what you're trying. He knows that your efforts are towards him. And when you stumble, you want to fall towards him. And how many times have you felt useless? You felt like a deserter. You felt like you couldn't do anything more for him. Or you're trying and trying and you feel like you never measure up. Well, that's the law. That's why Jesus came. Because we couldn't. We can't measure up. That's why grace. But grace we have been saved. That's why forgiveness. And have you ever had something forced on you? And you're like, I can't forgive that one. And then later God gives you the opportunity to forgive. And so you go walk through that process. And that person, they're like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, okay. And you ask them, I need you to receive the forgiveness. And they receive it. But then they continue on about their life. It's not much different than when it was before. But you're a different person. The brokenness healed through forgiveness, healed through the grace, healed through the blood of Jesus Christ. By his stripes you are healed. And we don't know how to walk into that. We don't know how to walk in a healed version of ourselves. We don't know how to walk in the, the new version of ourselves. That's where God and the Holy Spirit, Father God, Father Son, Holy Spirit, walking in that new creation in Christ because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross and how he would speak grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It came right out of Philemon. And Paul, <laughs> to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. He talks about his fellow laborers. The church in your house, in your heart. How lovely is his dwelling place. And the Lord's prayer includes the forgiveness Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. And I used to, my friend, I used to (laughs) say, forgive us our trespasses, for we forgive those who trespass against us. Because sometimes we don't forgive as God forgives. Sometimes we forgive, but yet we still hold ourselves at a distance. That's a boundary, my friend. And that's okay. Forgiveness doesn't mean everything is fine, everything is as it was. It releases you from whatever that spirit of enslavery, of unforgiveness. You don't have to be friends with them forever. You don't have to be in their life forever. There are boundaries. You can still love without having to let that other stuff in. Because God will heal that part until maybe you can be around that all the time. But in the action of forgiveness, you can't control how the other person's going to respond. They may be doing the same things they always did. But when you forgive them, he is your shield of faith. And they want to get to you again. They have to come through Jesus. And he is a mighty defender. And he is a defender of women. It's all through scripture. 
the woman who reached out and was and was washing his feet with her tears with the with the um the oil her perfume the men are like what is she even doing here she walked into the room full of men anointed him blessed him honored him they didn't honor him they're like hey yeah we can sit with you and they thought they were in a privileged seat to sit with him and she blessed him honored him anointed him her heart knew and her heart was so grateful her heart was so grateful And so, my friend, it's your heart. He sees your heart. And women, again, why are the women always low and grasping at feet and grasping at the hem? That's where God lifted up the woman to go and sin no more. He reached his hand out to her. And I know people of the world will reach their hand out. But they want to draw you unto themselves, unto their purposes and plans. They want to use you for their own gratification, for their own something. But you'll know. You'll know when it's a sense of godly, when it's a sense of an anointing. There is something within you that says, God is doing something. Someone may lift you up, but that doesn't mean you're enslaved to them. They may lift you up so that you can keep going. The person that helped Jesus carry that cross, he was forced to. He was taking the whipping right along with him. Because when you're standing next to Jesus and he's being whipped, <laughs> I know as a kid, I would be put between my brothers because they fought. And then sometimes my dad would reach his hand back to smack one of my brothers and he'd hit me because I was placed in the middle. I was put between them. How many times have you been put between something? You didn't step in the midst of a fight. You didn't step in the midst. Someone put you there. Thinking you were going to bring peace. You were the peacemaker. You didn't know what you were doing. You know, why do I always have to be in the middle? Well, because they don't get along. That's not my problem. That's theirs. They need to work it out. When you're too young to understand that, you're placed in places because the leaders, the adults, the authority above you. You have to do what they tell you to do. And you're placed in that position. It's not your choice. And so you have to learn to be strong. You have to learn to defend. And you've got brothers fighting across you. You're getting in the crossfire. That's how it is in when you're interceding as well. When you step into that battle, you're not there to fight like they do. A peacemaker you continue to pray. You fight the good fight. You fight through prayer until the battle stops. The unity and the forgiveness begins to flow. Because, you know, hate takes a lot of energy. And eventually, they wear out. And they stop fighting because they don't have any more energy to fight. But through prayer, God can show up, bring peace and restoration and they talk about peacemaker versus peacekeeper. And sometimes you get so tired of the fighting, you want to be a peacekeeper. What do I need to do so they don't fight? And then it starts to be manipulative or whatever it is. And you don't know what you're a kid. You just don't want the fighting. Because you didn't know that you could go to God in prayer. 
as a kid, you weren't taught. You know, religion, you pray that our father, you get on your knees and you pray at your bedside, but you don't know the power of it. You've never seen the power of it. You've only known the rules and regulations and restrictions is what you have to do. You go through the motions and then that would be in your life. You go through the motions until God shows up and he shows you, answers your prayer and shows you his presence. And it still amazes you every single time. You expect it, but yet he amazes you. So my friend, be refreshed. The heart of a saint. You have the heart of a saint. You are his daughter. You are his child. And he loves you so. He doesn't want to reach back and smack you. I've been smacked by a priest. I did nothing wrong. I wasn't even in his church. Whatever the reason he did it, I don't know. But I now I don't want any part of that. But you see, you don't have to have someone between you and God. Someone that may smack you into shape, grab you by the by the back of the uh, shirt. I've had a leader woman in women's ministry say, God's got you by the back of the shirt. My God doesn't speak to me like that. And then I would later learn within the last couple of days that my mom, when she was young, was going down. They were walking on a mountain. They were camping. And she stepped over. She was about to go climb down the mountain. She wanted to go climb. And someone grabbed her. I said, did they grab you by the back of the shirt? Yeah. So a woman saw that visual. Oh, that's how God's got you. But it was my mom. Someone was trying to keep her safe. God's not going to pull you by the back of the shirt saying, listen, here, you're going to obey me. No. When my mom was grabbed by the back of her shirt, it was to keep her from running down a mountain that would have hurt her. And her parents were right there grabbing hold. But there was a friend was one of God's own to reach her hand in there the same way when my son we were at a at a at a um, engagement party and he wanted to go in the water didn't know how to swim really well stay in the shallow end and I'm watching him and I'm talking to my friend I'm watching and I'm starting to see him go towards the deeper end so I'm walking that way and I see him go right past that deep end under the water and I'm almost there so I yell to someone can you reach in and can you grab his hand And right away, they just reached out and grabbed him. No big deal. I was like, I was trying to be calm because it was a party. I'm not going to scream and run frantic, but I knew I could get to him. And I called out, and there was help. God uses those things in my life to say, you call out and there will be help. The same way, my friend, when you pray for me, you pray for your loved ones. You cry out to God and there will be help. You prayed for me and someone showed up with scripture Someone showed up with a heart of gold where my son was there. Don't underestimate the power of prayer and crying out to God. It may not look how we want it to look. Others could explain it. Oh, mom wasn't right there. Mom wasn't there. That wasn't it. God wanted to show me. I could call out and someone would be there. But I still doubt. Don't think I have this perfect trust. I'm still learning to trust because of things that I've been through, God is showing me over and over. Call out to me, I will be there. I will show you, I will teach you, I will train you, I will lead you, I will guide you. He's doing the same thing in your life and he wants you to see him, hear him, follow him, know him, love him. 
Not necessarily in that order, because love always comes first. Because of love, things can happen. Because of love, we respond. Because of love, we move, we act, we do. We follow in obedience. We trust, we encourage, because of love. Because of love, we fight for. And so my friend, be encouraged. And what I loved when I shared with you about the seeds and the woman planting the seeds, and I'm looking, Philemon, it's one chapter, it's so small. And God's been placing on my heart. You can start small. Let him grow it. A seed starts small. You plant it, trusting that it will grow. You water it. You do what you can do and let God, because you cannot cause a plant to grow. God does. And these flowers that know, that know to bloom in the spring, they know when to come up. They know when the winter's over. They know when to come up. And sometimes the soil needs to be refreshed. Sometimes, you know, the, um, the bark or the wood chips, and they create something in the soil that the plants need. All these things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. These flowers were called to bloom. So people will know the winter's done. Spring is here. The birds can eat. The people can eat. Life. Live. And so my friend, be encouraged. Philemon is such a small one chapter book. 25 verses. And yet he speaks so profoundly of the heart and forgiveness. Receive him that is my own heart. So he sent his heart through that person. It's love. And God's word will never return void. His love will never return void. Because his love is his word. The sword of the spirit is his word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He is there with you now. He's there with those you pray for now. Not gonna be. Not well, hopefully they hear, hopefully they know. He's with them now. And so be encouraged. Go read Philemon. For we have great joy and consolation in your love. Even if you stop there or because of the hearts of the saints, they've been refreshed. God is the one who brings refreshing through the Holy Spirit. You hear a lot of people trying to refresh, try to encourage. You can go along and someone will say something nice trying to encourage you and you're thinking it's so empty. And it's not encouraging. They'll try to encourage and maybe sometimes make it worse. But when the Holy Spirit encourages, even if someone had no idea they encouraged you, praise God that he is able to use whatever he needs to use. And I don't mean use in a bad way. A tool in God's hand brings righteousness, brings hope, brings encouragement, brings redemption, brings restoration, brings love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. It's almost like I'm lifting it up with my hand and seeing like, there is the depth. There is no bottom to what God can do. You can keep digging deeper and find that there's more of him, more of him, more of him. And you keep reaching up and there's more of him, more of him coming towards you. When I looked out on a cloudy day and I saw the sun trying to burn away the clouds, my heart just smiled because he shows up so often with the sun through the trees. There's so often when you'll be praying, God shows up. How are you seeing him show up? 
Look for him today and watch him show up for you in ways that are so special to you, between you and him. And he knows how to speak to you. He knows that you will know it's him. And as you look through your life going, yes, he's always shown up like this. He's shown up that way. Because others will try to show up and make it look like it's God because of what they want for you. Do not be deceived. Do not be manipulated. Allow God to show up because in your spirit you will know his love for you. It's a connection. So my friend, be blessed. May his face shine upon you. As he looks at you, he sees his reflection. You may look in a mirror and see all the things, defects or what you consider defects. God doesn't see that. So I would encourage you to look again and look again. You see, there's many times that I thought I was defective because I learned to write. When I was started writing, I wrote from right to left. And do you know, just a few days ago, not even a week ago, I would support someone that they were doing a Shabbat service. And I went and they handed me their book that they were praying from and singing from. Do you know their book opens and it's read from right to left? Don't you think God used that to say there's not a defect? In the, in the word, it starts with the Old Testament and New Testament. The Shabbat service, it's, it's the Jewish service. It's a Jewish service and prayer. And it's like the books of the Old Testament. The Bible. Right to left. And then comes Jesus and the grace. You see, I was taught, retaught from left to right so others could read it. I looked at this Jewish writing. I couldn't read it, but I knew it was special. I couldn't read it, but I knew it was powerful. Because when God speaks to you with such details, your whole life starts to make sense. Doesn't make it easy, doesn't make it all pleasant, but he heals and restores and redeems and uses it all for his purposes, for his glory, to call people unto himself. Because he is a God that created the whole universe. Everything you can look around and see by the grace of God. And so my friend, I still pray that he opens your eyes to see and ears to hear what he is showing you, what he is speaking to you, and that his word comes to life and you feel that tangible presence and that divine connection of you and him, that he brings the revelation of how he's healing you for his purposes and his glory that he created you for. And the enemy has not won. You are already victorious. You are one in 10 million or more. And I'll share that another time. Because someone spoke that to me and it was so profound. And it was so timely. You're victorious. And Jesus gives you that. His love, God is love, is victory. You have it. You are it. You're created by it. Love doesn't create hate. Love doesn't create bad stuff. Love creates love. You are love, my friend. Let yourself know that. Let yourself know that you are walking love. 
allow yourself to receive that. In Jesus' mighty name, and I pray the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening to Dynastream's podcast, I Said a Prayer for You Today. For more encouragements, visit our Facebook page at Dynastream LLC. That's D-Y-N-A-S-T-R-E-A-M-L-L-C. We'd love to hear from you. See you there.